wanted to make my own album. It was time for me then to write songs about me. I was 27. I thought, okay, you know, you're a coward if you don't try more things. It was a very big decision to move, mostly because of my son. And I'm a really family-orientated person. When I came to London, I was very sure that I, I wasn't gonna do, I was gonna do an album that hadn't been done before. So to do this, the only way was to go to a, a cosmopolitan city. And London happens to be closest to Iceland. It's only two hours in aeroplane from Iceland. Subway, metro, underground, and you travel, and, and you pop up again. I came to London, and I couldn't believe that you can't just stand up and walk out, out of it. You can even go on a train or, or a, a car, and you have to travel for hours, and you're still inside the city. And this completely freaked me out. I was so claustrophobic. And I got so obsessed with oxygen, I couldn't breathe, and I, I was trying to touch the buildings and scrape off the, the grease and try to get in touch with things, and it was very scary. But then I like learned to relax all about it, and I find it kind of kinky, you know, kind of sticky. And I buy a bag of chips, which I usually hate. Get all greasy along with it. London is gorgeous because it functions as a as a brewing pot for people from all over the planet on similar missions to me. You know, in Iceland, I was very much the odd one out. You see, I just need to know that I'm not the only one. I became an Icelandic immigrant in England. I knew immediately that the people I had to find had to be musically from all sorts of different directions. When I started audition for my band, I found myself after watching many hundreds of people play with a group of immigrants. Quite a collection. It's people from India, Barbados, Iran, Turkey, Wales. A while for all these people to mesh together because they were almost puritanist in what music they liked. All these people were very proud of where they come from and for us to come from such different culture and from such different musical style too, it, it was very fascinating. violin into um, a punk song. It's not so weird because how many times have I seen a punk eat Indian food? It happened all the time. Probably the only thing I don't like about the English is sometimes they uh, they uh, tend to be a bit arrogant about sort of think they're the best in the world. But they, they, they think all the other people in the world are sort of pretty to watch and sort of something to play with or listen to sort of exotic sort of experiences yeah and I think it's a bit out of order really so um, 
when I'm the people I was most attracted to and, and the scene I was most attracted to when I came here was people who knew as little as I did about what was going to happen. Not people that already established things, but people that were still trying to sort of enter in the unknown, if you want, and, and trying to discover something that, that hadn't been discovered before. I think people are always scared of new things. If you want to make something happen that hasn't happened before, you've got to allow yourself to make a lot of mistakes. Then the real magic will happen. Because if you just play it really safe, you won't get any treats. For me, the whole uh, Britpop thing and the o Oasis thing and the whole guitar thing is this kind of British scare of losing Britishness and the immigrants taking over and that. English people like the Britpop scene, they just seem to repeating and trying to sort of hold the Victorian flag alive, but it's just, you know, dead, you know. And, and it don't seem to, to be doing anything fertile. So I started going to clubs and I just became obsessed with clubs. And um, just, I mean, you have to look really hard. You have to go to 50 clubs, but there are club number 51. Miracles will happen there because it was mind over matter. It, it had, uh, it, it definitely believed in atmosphere and miracles, you know, and I was very fascinated by that. When I do my album, it was very much a collection of the songs I have written in private for the last 10 years. I tried it when I did debut and I tried it again now when I do post to do um, like a week in a life of a normal person. Because what happens in one week for you is, is amazing. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you're very happy and you walk outside and someone has driven over your cat and it's dead. So you become sad all of a sudden. Then you go to work and on the bus you meet your best friend that you haven't seen for five years maybe and he's just fallen in love. And then you go to work and you have a very bad day at work and you're trying to work. And then maybe you go outside afterwards and get drunk with your friends and then you dance in a club and you're very sweaty and you come outside of the club and the sun is shining again. So you can't control things, you just got to enjoy it as it happens. And I want to write songs, like one song about when somebody drove over your cat, one song about when your best friend fell in love, one song about how difficult it is to work, one song about getting drunk, one song about getting sweaty, and one another song about coming out of that club and the sun is shining and you're all shy and, and a bit drunk. So, so an album should be all those different things. But at the end of the day, writing a song is, is like organizing an accident. That's, that's very much what my job is about. To be kind of really organized and disciplined and kind of like get, yeah, nine pianos, yes, this piano has to be here and this piano has to be here. And I want two people to play this piano and five people to play this piano and try to set it up like you're setting a trap in a forest for an animal. But of course you don't know what, where the animal is going to run and, and what's going to happen. So you just got to sit back and make the animal go where it wants to go. And if it comes your way, just uh, appreciate it. And, and enjoy it. If I have to have an effort with making a song, it's not worth it. If songs don't come up by themselves, it, um, it means they're not worth um, uh, the attention. 
you know, you should never force a song. It just means it shouldn't exist, really. But but with um, with with these songs, I don't look at them as fantasy at all. They are, of course, sort of a game with reality. But I want them to be, in a way, more real than in reality. And 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 re really, I am not an escapist. And when people look at me as as being uh, all ethereal and all over the place. And that's not what I'm like at all. I'm, I like to be very focused and very realistic about what I'm doing. I hate escapism, it's, it's bad. Men didn't before have to worry about this. They can be silly, fat, funny, intelligent, um, hardcore, you know, sensual, all those different things, philosophical. But with women, they always have to be feminine, feminine, feminine. And um, what I like most is not everybody say this is the age of women or whatever. I think this is bullshit, you know. I, I, uh, I just like to see women who can be characters and can be themselves. And num number one, two, and three, they are what they are. And number ten, they are, they are happen to, yes, they happen to be women in the same way as you happen to be Spanish and I happen to be Icelandic, you know. I've got no interest in working with people who do what I tell them to do. You know, it's just no point. I might as well just do it myself then. So I'd much rather work with people who are just as strong as me and preferably stronger. And so it's like um, I give nine billion and they give nine billion or whatever. And, and that's the kick. I've already recorded half of the album before I even met Nelly. And I like to work this way. Nelly is, is brilliant and I think we work together very naturally, very... Um, close. If I go out hunting <laughs> and bring the, the steak <laughs> and he kind of suggests um, a way to cook it and we cook it together. Well, my voice is, is uh, something, it's my uh, instinct, it's my impulse and it surprises me probably more than it does other people. I once tried to um, learn vocal training two years ago when I got into trouble and I got trained by a gentleman who showed me how, what state your body is in when you sing opera. Um, what I realized that the, 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 the climax of opera was in Europe when we did not believe in our body and we believed in, in that, um, in, in, in some sort of God, you know, 300 years ago or something, and, and that the mind was much stronger and, and better than the body. We were always trying to leave all the body things out and nature was ugly, you know, and, and so, so we, it basically singing opera is trying to sing without your body. It's like I have no legs, I have no uh, hips and uh, sex, <laughs> and I have no hands, I have just like oh, some higher sense, you know, maybe two days a year, like Christmas, you know. But the other type days of the year, I would like to be human. I have so much fun being human. Most of my work, I do in my head, just when I'm doing other things. And, and, and um, I don't know if it's because I've been doing it for long or, or because I, I spent so many years without recording my songs. I wasn't until 27, I started recording them. It had naturally become quite organized in my head and they got all these different sections and little cupboards and drawers. And I start that idea and I put it in a drawer and I can come back to it a year later and it will still be there. So I walk in a room and, and it looks like I'm starting a song, but it's actually, in a way, I maybe been working on it for a year. People think music is this gorgeous, completely abstract thing, which is true, but the thing which is gorgeous about music, it's got these complete contrast opposites. Half of it is complete mathematics, the structure of like, 
like rhythm is completely, it's just mathematics, like one, two, three, four, or seven. And then you repeat that 11 times, and you have a build up, and then you crash, and then it's the outro, and all the structure. It's just a very, very cold, clever landscape you're creating. You know, even you're aware of it or not. The other half of it is completely abstract emotion, which is so gorgeous. So you've got the opposites in the same thing. With my music, I tend to try to protect it as much as I can, all the way till it's in the record shop. So it will get the album sleeve that it deserves, it will get the video it deserves, it will get the photographs it deserves. And the photographs are not of me, of me. They are of the person who made that music. And the videos are not about me, they're about the music. So I focus everything on this music that has uh, been created. And, and that's why I follow up so closely on everything that is done um, with, with my music very, very firmly. And it's not because I'm a control freak and I want to control the universe because that's probably the thing I'm least interested in, but because I'm very protective towards my music, that's why. I've been doing music for such a long time that every time I maybe started to think what people think of my music, I lose the plot. And because I've I've several times lost the plot and it's such a scary feeling you wouldn't believe that you, you train yourself not to think that way. The only thing you can do is please yourself. Number one, two, three, four and five and all the way up to 73, I'm a pop musician and I'm, I, I'm making music for everyone, not for, for uh, VIP or, or educated people or, or something like that. So I want to make that, um, it has to be pop music, you know, that everybody can relate to and, and, and so. So it's, it's a challenge. It's an experiment and I've got a clue we'll work on it, but you have to try. I talked to my friend in America the other day and he asked me, uh, so, oh, fuck this uh, pop music all the time, it's bollocks, you know? And he's a bit of a snob and he wants me to be writing Steve Reich music or something like this, you know? And I'm like, no, it's not. It's so important, it's a lot more powerful. And I think it saves people every day, all the time, out of serious emotional traumas and sympathizes. Music sympathizes with people in ways that hum other humans, or your best friends or your lovers or whatever, could never do, you know? Say the average American person would get into trouble, who would they, they call for help? Aretha Franklin or Bill Clinton? And I think 90% of them, if they have a heartbreak, they would put Aretha Franklin song on. Or they would, um, if they want to celebrate life, which is just as important as being sad, they would put, you know, R-E-S-B-C-T, like Aretha Franklin on. And she would be there. Aretha Franklin is always there for them when they need her. And, and Bill Clinton, of course, he takes care of other areas, which is like maybe politics. Well, takes care, takes care not of, you know, we can argue forever about that. Let's skip that one. But there are people that take care of politics, big politics. That's important. But music, pop music takes care of the personal politics. And if they wouldn't do it, nobody would. Even in a situation where not even your best friend can talk to you for 10 hours, he can't help you, the right song will. Pop music, even though they invented this word, uh, this century pop, it's always been around, you know, and a natural way of expressing yourself. And it's always been ever since the minute that some of the monkeys decided uh, not to be monkeys anymore, but to become uh, humans. Debut was all songs I wrote over a ten year period, ten year period, all in my house in Iceland after uh, my son had gone to bed. So they were quite private and intimate, like little experiments, and more like a, a diary thing, you know, something in order to keep you sane, rather than you want to tell the whole world about it. Um, like a little virgin trying to express herself. I mean, musically, a virgin. 
And, and that's why I called it that debut, even though some people knew that I'd been around for years and thought it was, I was thought I was taking the piss or something. But for me, it was very much like the first time my songs that I'd kept like in darkness and in my locked in my little diaries only to be seen by myself. Um, the first time they went out and sort of had to sort of figure out a life of their own and how to survive. The AP was such a surprise how big it became and how many people liked it because it was probably the most personal thing I've ever done in my life, like very private, because I was like opening my, my diary and became probably the most social extrovert thing I'd ever done because suddenly everybody noticed me and it was very strange. But now I'm doing my second album and the, I think the reason why pe people liked my last album was because I wasn't trying to please anyone. And the thing is, if you don't try to please anyone, there's like a fun, very funny rule I, I have learned, a lesson, that if you don't please anyone, you have a slight chance of pleasing everyone. But if you try to please just one person or even 10 people, if you try to please them, you won't please anyone. It sounds a bit like stupid, but it is actually the truth. I know. I always know what my next album will be emotionally, but most uh, media people don't think emotionally. They think in sort of style terms, which is not the way. Style is just a tool to be used, like clothes. If you meet a person and you like the person, it doesn't matter if they wear a T-shirt or a green socks or pink socks. And musical style is the same. It's just a tool to use to express yourself. This album. It's on the contrary, I, had, I moved to England two years ago and all the songs on this album are, are written since then. So they're all written with in mind that other people will hear them. They are uh, more, not a shy and introvert, they're probably more sort of conscious and, and more uh, confident. In a way, Post is, is, is quite brave because it's, it's the girl who, who left home and is trying out all these brand new things he's never tried before and tasting all those cities and meeting all these lunatics and, and, and best of all, meeting all the lunatics like herself, you know, because there aren't, aren't that many back in Iceland. And, and communicating with all them and figuring out there are more people out there who feel like her. And, and it's just, um, it's definitely like a brave album, but at the same time, kind of scary. Post is more scary than debut because I'm definitely jumping off more clips. When my band was touring around USA for the first record, uh, we found this tape in a truck stop. Yeah. Where they sell the petrol. Yeah. Which was called Divas. Hello. With all these American divas singing songs. Okay. There were very many divas. And this song became like um, the, the anthem of the tour. We'd always put it on before we go on stage to, to get excited. Yeah, but was it a joke or was it serious? Both. Both. <laughs> First I was going to do this album like on my own, like produce it on my own and I thought it was a correct way to do it. I, uh, then I started getting a bit scared and, and kind of a bit scaring all big too much for me. So I asked Nelly Hooper who produced my debut album 
to produce this album for me. He refused. He said it was ridiculous that I could do it on my own and I should do it on my own. And then in the end, I um, contacted him again and said I, it was too soon for me to do it on my own. And he uh, agreed to be my safety net. I miss you. went to Bahamas to record the album he uh, had a surprise for me he prepared and he said uh, you know picked up me up in a car one morning took me to this cave big cave which was there and and kind of gave me like a microphone and headphones with a very very long lead and I told me to go into the cave and there was absolutely no light in there and I climbed in, into it and then the song came in the headphones and all the music and I sang um, I sang the song like um, the lyric, and while I crawl into the unknown, cover me, I'm going into a mystery, cover me. And like if something went wrong, I was supposed to pull this, the lead and they would come and get me. And they were outside like in the night with headphones and little mixing desk uh, listening to it. And then I suddenly, um, I heard all these beautiful noises and then I was actually standing on the top of a little cliff with sort of like a canyon in front of me, like four meters down, just on the edge with the microphone and I realized all the little noises were actually bats, hundreds of bats, kind of like zhoom, zhoom, going past me. So they uh, made all these beautiful little like, <laughs> like little noses and they are uh, on the record. I think both debut and post are very similar albums from my point of view. They are, that's why I call them debut and post, they are like the before and yeah. the after of the same experience. In a way they are both the greatest hits of my music the last uh, 12 years or so but now I will be more um, modern and move uh, and do more music which I'm writing exactly now at the moment not be so hooked with the past and I think my my music now will be more self-sufficient and more private but at the same time more calm but more dangerous at the same time I hear that you were writing a song with Madonna maybe is that true well I co-wrote a song for her. Well, basically, she asked um, my friend for a song, and my friend asked me to help him, and I did it in a way as a, like a favor to him, really. Right. Not, you know, no offense to Madonna, right, but right, right, right. I was kind of more doing it as a present to my friend. Let's get unconscious. kind of person that uh, works very much with her head but I think she's got tons of instinct animal instinct because that's the only way she can survive for so many years I think and and but she she's like doesn't admit it to herself and she doesn't trust her instinct she always thinks before she acts in an impulsive manner so so I mean it's really easy I'm not judging her I think everybody can comment on everyone it's just like an outside point of view on her and we all need comments like that sometimes. So I just said, um, so uh, let's get unconscious, honey. That's the chorus for her. And this is the last day that I use words that lost their meaning. Words are useless, especially sentences. You know, don't function anymore. 
let's get unconscious, honey. And just kind of like let go of your head and just like, like um, fall into the current that you've got inside you because instinct is a lot wiser object than brain. I think brain is just as old as your body, which is about 30 years in my case. But instinct is like 5,000 years old and it's a lot wiser. So it gets you a lot further if you trust that. When I did debut and post, they were very much like greatest hits of my musical passions for all my life. And I knew it would take two albums to do that. That's why I called them debut and post, before and after, of getting rid of the back catalogue almost, you know, gracefully, you know, because you can only move on if you do that, you know. So this is like a fresh start for me. And that's why I want to call this album homogenic or genus or genius or whatever. I'm still working on that because it's one flavor. It's just me now, you know, here. And, and it's going to be, instead of like all these different instruments, it's just going to be beats, strings, and voice. This album would be like back to Iceland, sort of what I'm about. But it's very hard to kind of start from complete scratch with no tradition whatsoever. But there were some pioneers who were trying to look at the landscape and, and the country and try to change that, what they saw and what they felt into audio. There are certain Icelandic composers, and when they compose Icelandic music, they, you know, try to imitate geysers or volcanoes because the landscape in Iceland is very rough it's you know we don't have like this you know trees we don't barely have any trees we have a lot of lavas we have a lot of volcanoes and there's a lot of outbursts of you know whether suddenly the wind comes or snowstorms and that kind of sounds I think she's looking after and she's talked about that she wants more of this raw sound not this beautiful European sound maybe to find that voice is, is very challenging you know and it's almost like you have to invent your own roots. And that's one of the reasons why I got the eight string players. I wanted them all to be Icelandic. Well, I picked up some her uses of intervals, for instance, fifths. And that's very traditional in Iceland and actually very unique. Icelandic folk songs often use this interval of fifths throughout you know, the whole song. And, that, and she uses that in her pieces that makes it very Icelandic. For instance, the hunter, the two cellos, they are playing two-bar motif. And, you know, one of them plays the lower note, then the other cellist plays it a fifth above. And, and there, when you hear that, that's just right away, you know, that's Icelandic. I wrote a song called Hunter, and it's based on um, what my grandmother told me on Christmas about two different types of birds who are um, birds that always have the same nest all their lives, like swans, and they always have the same partners all life. And they're birds that travel all the time and they always have different partners all the time. And kind of like um, to make a conscious decision to stay a hunter. 
It kind of ended up being a little bit of a bolero, I guess. Maybe because it's Spain. That's the only song with the string arrangement I asked Teatato to do completely. One of the notes that we had, we discussed maybe trying a figure such as a bolero, you know, Ravel's bolero. In the course of the recording, we decided to exaggerate certain aspects of, of the string parts by having the strings doing sliding notes and kind of sluggish and slurring. When she sends me something, it's, it's pretty much done. What she, what I understand that, and that I, and I was correct in uh, understanding it that way, is that she really wants a color. She really wants the humanizing factor into tracks that are basically, um, how do you say, sequenced using different sounds or using electronic sounds. It's good also if we put one take down and have that as well. Mm -hmm. We come tomorrow, and we, then we, can, go, we can listen to it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then we know what to fix, Absolutely. if that works or not. But at least we put it down. Okay. Right. the same size and you have um, eight tracks and 100 noises and and you can make as many songs as you want and a lot of my tunes for the last four years I wrote on that it's just it's so incredibly uh, convenient put the batteries in and you can take it you can, you can write on the airplane or your grand's house on the top of a volcano or in a club or in a tube and, and, and but this is different machine, this is like a sampler. Mark Bell bought this one and he's just teaching me it. It's just a way of capturing like noises, like say acoustic instruments or you know other noises, but then uh, being able to change the pitch of them, you know, like to make them, you know, any noise into like music then, like could be a door shutting for a drum sound. What I'd love to do live is kind of put a lot of effects on my voice. choice 
that the beats for this album will be very simple, almost naive, but still um, very natural, but very explosive, like they're still in the making, which for me is very much Iceland. And we would collect very slowly over a period of almost a year, a library of noises. I wanted the beats to be like this. electricity, my dad's an electrician, and my grandfather too. And I've been obsessed since I was a kid with people like Stockhausen, uh, Kraftwerk, Brian Eno. Electricity has always existed, and it's not just a phenomenon of this century. And, and it's always been in thunder and lightnings, and, and, and in Iceland, the Thor's hammer, you know. And in acupuncture has been around for one or two thousand years. The electricity and equipment are just tools. Instead of wood or, or, or leather or metal and all these things that we so far made music out of, stroking a, a string, we're using electricity and, and to, to make for the air. For me, that is probably what I would call techno. And it's so uh, amazing when people uh, tell me that, that uh, electronic music has not got soul. And they blame the computers. They got the finger and point at the computer. It's like, there's no soul here. It's like, you can't blame the computer. If there's not soul in the music, it's because nobody put it there. And it's not the tool's fault. Deny me or something Well, I've got plenty You are the one who's missing out But you won't notice Until after five years If you live that long You'll wake up All of less I dare you to take me on I dare you to show me your pals I'm so bored of cowards That say they want, then they can't handle There is like a purpose behind it where the drums are really hard and then the voice beautiful is just like the contrast for something to be beautiful it's something's got to be you know ugly if everything's beautiful and you know nothing's beautiful you can't handle love 
baby, you can't handle love. Oh, it's obvious you can't handle. I tell You are in all these different moods throughout one week. You you are grumpy, you you're you're cheerful, you're stupid, you're um, you're delicate, you're you're um, complicated, you're moody, and and of course there's there's a song for every occasion, you know. When I lost my cards, you deal me another hand. Even when I sleep, you're real. I write about one song a month, no. and it's usually just the theme of that month, like the soundtrack to that month in my life. Uh, homogenic is very much Björk goes back home, and then I don't mean literally Iceland, but home as in myself, and digests and looks at all the things and looks through all the diaries and all the snapshots and all the uh, songs and all the things I've done and thinks, okay, that was fun. And then sort of, um, it's like um, contemplative, you know, that sort of thing. Where I come from and where I'm going. And I think in very much a, a same sense, the word nature and the word techno is for me the same word, except it's past or future. And, and I have explained this to my friends by saying if you see a house in the mountain, a little uh, a cozy house, if uh, the, um, uh, the monkeys would look at this house, they would uh, say it was, it was techno, it was the future. But for us now, we look at this mountain and we say nature, you know? So I think it's really the same thing. It's not a question if it's man-made or not man-made. I think it's more a question of if you locate yourself in the right point between nature and techno, you are in now. And it's a very, um, it changes every day. And you have to be part of both. You can't just be only techno and you can't be only nature. You have to be right in the middle. Very important. I think it's not me being obsessed with um, technology. I think it's more, I want to be alive now, 1997, and I'm a European. I want to be truthful what I'm about. 
I think there was people like, for example, Maurice Ravel, who uh, was mostly influenced by uh, machines. The rhythm, like for example, in Pol Polero, was uh, largely influenced by his father, who was inventing the car, and and he he invented, I think, the first steam steam car or something, you know, and and that was uh, his sense of rhythm came from machines. So that is uh, almost 100 years ago, you know, and I think we still treat uh, machines like aliens, but they've been around for a long, long time. And they are basically um, part of us, what we do, it's, it's tools. And I've said this uh, many, many times, but I still believe it's the same as when we first uh, uh, man uh, found fire, he was scared, you know, and he said, oh, we're all gonna die. But he actually learned to cook it with it and, and use it in a creative way. And then man found the, uh, the uh, nuclear energy and he was scared and he had the right to be. But now we can uh, do the good things with, with nuclear energy. We can uh, get a lot of energy out of it. I think it's, it's um, uh, we get uh, always scared when we discover new things that is going to be more powerful than us. And it's very natural, but I think it's, it's, uh, it will never happen, I don't think. Because uh, human nature is uh, much stronger, I think. I think uh, they will never be born a child without uh, uh, feelings, or, or uh, sometimes I wish, uh, but it's impossible. It always, humanity will always win, I think. People like Stockhausen and other pioneers could uh, challenge this um, electricity for audio, you know, and it's very uh, fascinating, you know. I bought a cordium in uh, Italy two days ago, just a little one like, like this, and it's amazing the cords and the mechanism of it, the, the decade they invented it, they make it uh, very much uh, around the music that was then. If they would have discovered this mechanism, like now, with people listening to music of today, they would have made the chords and the notes and the musicology of it completely different, you know. And I think it's very nice how each uh, musical instrument is not only the invention they are inventing then in science, but also the musical taste of the people in that uh, time. So it's, it's combined, the, the uh, expectation of beauty and invention is unite in the instrument that is invented every time. And today we have the samplers and the drum machines, you know, and they, uh, they are making beautiful noises, which are uniting the, the expectation and the hope and the curiosity and what excites us and what turns us on in 1997 and also the uh, technology which is available now. And it's a beautiful marriage because um, everything is designed to look pretty, like the airports and the telephone, but it's never designed to sound nice. You know, like this room was not designed to sound good. Or a city or a square is not designed to sound good. And people go to a shop to buy a telephone and they never, I've never seen a person go and say, oh, excuse me, could I hear all these telephones? I want to pick the one with the most beautiful ring. People never do that. They pick the one with, who look great, you know? But, but I, think, um, I think there is noise, uh, noise everywhere, you know? And, and uh, I think what's beautiful with samplers and loop, looping things, 
And to be able to choose what you repeat is is um, big freedom because um, oh, how can I explain this? It's like in this room, this is our environment and me and you are talking together. So we decide what is the narrative and what is environment. So if you go out with a sampler and you sample, for example, a, a train or, or a waterfall and you repeat it very many times, you have a pattern. So you, it's almost like wallpaper. So you made an environment and then you can put inside a saxophone or a voice and that is the narrative. Or you can reverse it. You can sample me and have uh, very, very many me around. So that is in the environment. But the narrative is the train in the middle and the waterfall in the middle. So uh, to able to loop or sample or repeat or make a pattern or a rhythm is to be able to choose environment. You know, and, and which is just as important as the storyteller in the middle. Well, I think I love repetition if it's done with clarity and focus. I think Philip Glass is lazy and that's why he annoys me. He just found one idea and he used it 900 times. Great. It's like all this pop art. I don't like it. Like this crystal guy who wraps something up 900 times, he gets one idea and it's finished. I think it's crap. I think it's lazy. But if you use repetition with clarity, like for example, we know very well in, for example, meditation or in trance, where you always have the focus, always uh, like this, always, that is not lazy, that is brave and that is courage. And I love uh, rhythm or, or, or repetition or, or, or if it's done with courage or, or, or um, or uh, awake, alert, not asleep, you know. I will always be uh, myself. That's kind of something uh, I better accept, you know, and I think I, I have. At the same time, one form of accepting what I am is that I will never stay the same. And everything changes, you know, every second. And nothing, uh, you can't freeze, frame anything. And, and I, I try to accept that as well.